several weeks, and of course, we were away from there last Sunday in my absence, and so we're going back there. The first chapter in Haggai, we were downstairs today and debating, is it Haggai or Haggai? What I said, <laughs> whatever floats your boat, however you pronounce it, I think you'd, we'd all do justice in spending more time figuring out to do what he said than how to say his name. Can I get an amen? Haggai, chapter number one. Now, our text verse comes from the statement that is mentioned twice. Let's look at verse number five and see it mentioned the first time. Haggai 1.5, trust everyone has a Bible. If not, we make these scriptures available to you on the screen. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, say with me. All right, come on, let's, let's try it together. Now, therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, say it now. All right, now look at verse 7. Here it is again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, say it again. Matter of fact, if you look over at verse number 18 of chapter 2, let's just look there. Chapter 2, verse number 18. First word? Consider. Consider when? Now. <laughs> now. Sometimes we're not opposed to giving thought to stuff. We just don't want to give thought to it now. Has anybody ever brought up to you something, brought something up to you and said, no, 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 I'm going to think about that now. God said, no, 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 you think about it now. How many, how many know the longer you take to think about something, the longer you're going to take to do something about it? Consider now from this day upward, from 4 and 20th day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, next two words. Now let me ask you a question before you're seated now, after I pray. How many believe God says something once, it's important? Let me ask it again. How many believe if God says something once, it's important? How many believe if he says it twice, it's really important? How many believe if he says it three times, it must be very important? How about if he says it four times in a short book? You think God wants us to think about it? And so God is saying to us in the book of Haggai, consider your ways, consider your ways, consider now, consider it. Let the church say amen. Father, add thy blessing to the reading of your word. Cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Use the Bible as you have time and time again. Now do a work. God, we've got to do some serious thinking. Because our acting is not good if we don't do thinking first. For far too long, Christianity has been lived without thought. And there are a whole bunch of people that are zealous, as Romans says, but without knowledge. So help us to think before we act and then help our thinking to move us to action. Someone in the building today might be lost. Help them to think about the reality of hell and to act by accepting Christ as Savior. We love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. It's been a couple of weeks and we have moved our way through this text. So this morning, we're going to help review and make sure that your notes are calibrated with mine so that when you go home and look at this in your own personal Bible study, 
You can think substantively as a child of God. I was talking to someone this week about church and preaching and the object of the pastor in a pulpit in a church. You want to be in a place where your mind is challenged. Somebody say amen to that. The Christian life should not be lived haphazardly and, and in a ho-hum fashion as if we just flip a coin and get up and just wing it and whatever happens in the day, make it out the bed and make it back to the same bed and chalk it up as successful. Don't you think God deserves better than that? We should be strategic. We should be thoughtful. We should be introspective. We should be pondering how we live the Christian life. And in just a couple of weeks, the NFL season will begin. And I was sitting in my recliner last night and looking at some preseason football. And I was looking as the teams were strategizing and trying out players and testing to see how well they do in the NFL and seeing if this guy can kick. Can this guy run? Can this guy block? Can he pass? Can, can he cover? They're trying to find out because the real game is so important we want to make sure that whoever's on the field during the game knows what he's doing. Now, I'm asking you a question this morning, beloved. I'm asking you, is the work of God more important than a football game? Then some of us need to get in the huddle. Some of us need to study the playbook. Some of us need to get in the zone and really think about the game of life because the consequences of the game of life are so much more severe than those of a football game. So in Haggai, we've been speaking about the prophet from the word of God, talking to the people of God, those who had been redeemed, those who had been called out, those who had been purchased, those who had been led, those who had been guided, those who had been provided for. Please understand contextually that when we speak of God and Israel, we're not talking about two parties that don't know each other. Israel knew God and God knew Israel. Could I ask you a question? Don't you think it's a good thing in life if you know God and God knows you? Now listen to me, just as Israel knew God and God knew Israel, if you're saved today, could I just go ahead and say it? If you're saved, you know God and God knows you. If you're saved, you know God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the performance done by the person that gives us the product. Listen to me now, dying is not going to save you unless the one dying has no sin. Aren't you glad that the one died, died for our sins because he didn't have none? of his own, all right? So Jesus was the right person who made the right performance and gives us the right product. Romans chapter 1, uh, the Bible says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Christ the person, amen? Thank God for the person, for the performance. He died on the cross, and here is the product. We get saved. Aren't you glad when you accept the death of Christ as all you need for your soul, you get saved? Somebody say amen if you're saved today. So God knew Israel, Israel knew God. God knows us, we know God. So when God sent Agai to talk to Israel, he was saying, look here, I'm telling you what to do because y'all know what I've done for you. And I expect you to do better because I've done well. And so when I get up and preach to the Crossroads Baptist Church, I'm not preaching to people who don't know God. I'm not preaching to people who've never heard about God. I'm not preaching to people who are foreign to God. I'm talking about people that God has saved. I'm not talking about people who don't know. God is your father. Jesus is 
is your Savior. The Holy Ghost is your comforter. The Word of God is your guide. And heaven is your home. Listen to me. You expect more out of your children than you do the rest of the kids on the playground. And God expects more out of us than he does the rest of the people in the world. So let's, let's, let, let, let's perk up when God talks like we know him and he knows us. All God's children said. So he says to y'all. To y'all that I delivered, to y'all that I called, to y'all that I saved, to, to you that I brought out of Egypt. Don't forget that cloud at day. Don't forget that fire at night. Don't forget that manna. Don't forget that quail. Don't forget that water. Don't forget that bitter water sweet. Don't forget them shoes that never wore out. Don't forget them ten plagues. Don't forget it was dark with Egypt and it wasn't dark with you. Don't forget their firstborn were killed with your firstborn spirit. Don't forget I brought you into a land, the trees you didn't plant, the wells you didn't dig, the seeds you didn't give, the, the nations you didn't run out. Don't forget everything you got, you got from me. So when I ask you to do something, don't act like i never done something for you. I haven't done something for you. I've done everything for you. So I say to the people of God, has he done anything for you? Come on, let's just, let's just have rehearsal. Has he done anything for you? If this applies to you, you just make it known. Has he saved you? Amen. Has he cleansed you? Has he healed you? Has he filled you? Has he redeemed you? Has he sanctified you? Has he ado adopted you? Has he justified you? Did he give you the Holy Spirit? Did he give you the Bible? Is he building a mansion for you? Has he given you peace? Joy, love, grace, mercy, kindness, long-suffering. Somebody give God the praise. Now listen to me. Over here, over here, over here, over here, the scale, the, the, boy, the scale's weighing heavy. Scale's weighing heavy. Somebody say amen if over here God's been good. Now over here is you and me. Now what's your scale doing compared to his scale? This is the context of Haggai. So when God said to his people through Haggai, consider your ways, he says think. Let's think about the definition. I want you to write down in your notes the definition of consider. Put it in your notes. There it is on the screen for you. To think about carefully, especially with regard to taking some action. Reading it together, consider. To think about carefully, especially with regard to taking some action. Again, to think about carefully, especially with regard to taking some action. In other words, he's not just saying, well, just a passing fleeting thought. He's saying careful pondering. Contemplation, if you would. In other, words, in other words, I'm thinking deeply about this matter because I intend to take action from my thoughts and I want my actions to be informed with contemplative thinking. In other words, I don't want to do something dumb, so I'm going to think carefully about it so that my actions correspond with my thinking. Everybody on the same page? Consider your ways. So let's, let's review in our outline. Consider your ways. Number one. Acknowledge the problem. Acknowledge the problem. Here's what he says. Acknowledge the You've got to admit, Israel, that coming back to Jerusalem with a broke down temple is a problem. Everybody listening? Being released from Babylonian captivity and coming back to Jerusalem and the temple's broke down, the house of God is broke down, that's a problem. Everybody agree? Now let me ask you a question. If God saved you from sin and has given you the opportunity to live for him and the things of God in your life are broken down, is that a problem? Is that a problem? So you must assess the predicament. 
hey, what is the predicament? What was happening in Israel? Here it was, unacceptable ruin, unfinished rebuilding, and undeniable reality. Listen, there was ruin in Israel. There was rebuilding that didn't take place in Israel. And there was a reality that was happening in Israel that was a problem. So number one, assess the predicament. Then he said, abandon your procrastination. Abandon your procrastination. He said in verse number two, these people say the time is not come. 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 Can I tell you something? God and procrastination do not work well together. Anybody listening? Do you remember the, do you remember the disciples were thinking, oh, there are four months and harvest comes? I mean, listen, it's not really time for harvest. Jesus said in John chapter 4, say not yet there are four months. The harvest is plenteous. The fields are ripe and right ready unto harvest right now. Here's what God's saying. Stop acting like you got time to do right. The time to do right is now. So he says, abandon your procrastination. Now, what is procrastination? It involves excuse making and it involves an effortless mindset. See, when we procrastinate, we, we make excuses as to why we don't have to do it. And as a result of our excuse making, we are effortless. We don't get anything done. I got more time. The project is not due. There's still another month before it has to be paid. I still got a whole lot of time before anybody's going to come out. No, 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 no. God says, when it comes to the work of God, you don't have time. The time to do it is now. So assess the predicament, abandon procrastination, and then adhere to preaching. Adhere to preaching. I want you to notice some statements in our text that are repeated. The word of the Lord and thus saith the Lord. Let's say those two statements together. The word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Say it again. The word of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. Those are two phrases to basically say, Haggai is telling you what I'm saying I didn't come up with myself. What I'm saying I got from who? The Lord. Straight from God. Now can I ask you a question? Do you think when God talks you ought to listen? So he says, acknowledge the problem. Number two, he says, adjust your priorities. Adjust your priorities. He says, now, if, if you're going to acknowledge the problem and admit something's wrong, the only way to fix problems is to prioritize. Huh? Y'all don't believe that? You walk into a room, there's clothes on the floor, there's hangers all on the floor, there's trash on the floor, and there's all, a whole bunch of mess but the fact of the matter is, you got to go to work. Now, you can't stay home from work and clean the room, but you don't want the room to stay dirty because the room needs to be clean and you need to go to work. Now, listen to me. The best thing to do about getting a room clean is you're going to have to prioritize. When you get home, what you normally do when you get home, you might not be able to do because you got a mess. Listen to me. You can't be laying outside getting a tan when you got a nasty room. Now listen, sometimes in the Christian life, all we do is bewail our problems. Anybody listening? And some Christians are absolutely danger zones to ask how they're doing. Because you get hit with, with an AR-15 level load of problems. And, and we ought to bear one another's burdens, shouldn't we? But ladies and gentlemen, before you ask someone to bear your problems, you should be prioritizing in your own life to get rid of your problems. And I should not ask something, someone to bear for me what I'm not willing to bear myself. 
Some people call the church and say, I have a light bill. And we say to them, so do we. Some people say, well, you know, I, 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 I've been calling around to churches and finding out if you can help. I said, what about all the members in the church who have bills? That doesn't mean we don't help people. But ladies and gentlemen, shame on us for wanting people to help us what we won't help ourselves with. And the Christian life is all, often a holdup because of bad prioritization. We don't prioritize. And here's what Paul says. Um, here's what Haggai says about prioritizing. Adjust your priorities. He said, you're going to have to change these self-centered pursuits. You can't be focused on your own house only and not build the house of God. Here, here's what he's saying. Ain't nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. But while you're taking care of yourself, you should take care of the work of God too. Why? Because if I take care of me and only me, I can only go as far as I can take myself, can take my care of myself. But if I take care of God's business, then guess what? He'll take care of mine. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So you got to get rid of these self-centered pursuits, and you got to have a spiritual passion. You've got to direct your energy to spiritual things. Now watch this now. I don't have time to hit all these areas, but I'm just, I'm just trying to challenge your mind. If you're struggling with reading your Bible every day, if you're struggling with a prayer life, if you're struggling with giving consistently 52 weeks out of the year, if you're struggling with a marriage that is not only surviving but thriving, if you're struggling with obedience to authority, if you're struggling with unforgiveness, if you're struggling with grudges that are not resolved, if you're struggling with time management, if you're struggling with time management, if you're struggling with time management, listen, 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 I'm just simply saying you don't get a medal for telling people you're struggling. You have to change the things in your life that create the struggle. Now, if I've done everything I can to remove the struggle and I still struggle, then I've got to give it to God. Huh? But if I'm struggling because of bad priorities, I need to prioritize. By the way, stop praying for God to move in areas where you can. Preach, Pastor. Here come Mary Martha running to G. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Hey, Dad, we called you and you took so long to come. Jesus, wait, wait, wait. You understand something? It don't matter when I come. Because y'all are thinking that resurrection, resurrection is an event. You all don't understand resurrection is a person. If you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. No, 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 no. I'm here and he died, but I am the resurrection and the life. And he walks up to the grave and they're weeping and wailing for good reason. Lazarus is dead. Now, there's only one, only one person on planet Earth that can take that dead man who's been dead for four days, wrapped up in grave clothes and stanking and call him back to life. There's only one man that ever walked planet Earth. His name ain't Benny Hinn. His name is Jesus. There's only one person that can call Lazarus back to life. And anybody else that ever called people back to life did it in the power of that same person. So he's going to walk up and he's going to raise Lazarus back to life. But before he ever raises Lazarus back to life, he says to them, move the stone. Why? Because you can. I'll do what you can't 
when you do what you can. Lord, help me to read my Bible more. No, 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 no. Get up and read your Bible. Go to bed earlier. Set an alarm clock. Cut out a TV show. Come on, get a Bible app. Get a commentary. Come to church more to stimulate the desire to read it. I'm just simply saying, set your priorities. If I go weeks without reading the Bible, something's got to change, and it's got to be more than God help me read my Bible. That's like asking God to help you lose weight and keep eating the same food. We got to get practical, right? All right, let's move on. Here's number three, and I want you to think about this today. And let's just, I've been, I've been, took a little more time, but I believe it's important. Do you? Accept God's punishment. So watch this now. Sequence is significant. Acknowledge the problem. Everybody with me? Adjust your priorities. This is your chance to get it right. What month is this? What habits do you have in August that you said you were going to get rid of in January? Still doing them. Y'all pray pray my strength in the Lord. God's still working on me. Yeah, but you're not working on you. You're doing the same thing in January, doing in August, and wonder why you get the same results. There's a word for that. Insanity. It's the definition. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting to get the same results. So I acknowledge the problem. I adjust my priorities. If I don't do the same thing over and over again, expect the same results, insanity. If I don't change this insanity, then here's what I got to do. Accept God's punishment. I have to deal with the consequences of not considering my ways. I want to give you a couple of them today, and then I'm finished. What's the first one? This is not a trick question. What's the first one? You see it? Little what? Pastor, I, I just don't know what, 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 why things won't go right for me. I'm trying. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I, 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 I go to work early and I, I stay late and, 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 and I'm trying to do things and, 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 I, and I, I, I try to put my best foot forward, but I just can't seem to get ahead. Do you read your Bible? Well, I mean, I, Pastor, I, I, really, I really want to. Do you pray? Well, you know, I'm working two jobs. I, I, I get up so early. By the time I get home, I, I, I start praying, but I, I inevitably fall asleep. Hmm. Financially, it's just a mess for me. I'm working three jobs, and I still can't catch up with, with my bills. Do you tithe? Well, Pastor, I need money. Surely you can't be talking to me about giving money when I need money. Yeah, I am. And I actually have a verse for it. 
Given, it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, running over, shall men pour into your bosom. Will a man rob God? You say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Bring you all to tithes into the storehouse. Prove me not herewith, herewith, that I will not open up the windows of heaven and pull you out a blessing that ye may not have room enough to receive it. <laughs> well, Pastor, I, I, you know, I, I know what you're talking about, but that's kind of really, really Old Testament stuff, and, and I, I don't really believe in, in, in needing to give in order to get more. Well, well it was in the New Testament that a, that a boy had a lunch with five loaves and two fish, and he put it in the hands of Jesus, and he went home with 12 baskets full. So if your argument is dispensationalism, you're going to find out that God has been doing what he's doing since he's been God in every age. There's a woman with one meal of oil, a cruise of oil, a little bit of meal, and it's enough for her and her son to eat and die. And the man of God says, make me one. Man of God was a representation of God. She made him one, and the oil didn't run out, and the meal didn't run I'm just trying to tell you, you can't be God-giving. You can't win robbing him. Look at verse number nine, would you? You look for much, and lo, it came to what? Nothing's happening. I can't keep up. Then check your ways. Skip the second one and then let's quit. Little productivity. Number two, lacking progress. Lacking progress. Look at verse 10. First word. Dad was preaching last week from Hebrews chapter 12. It begins with wherefore, therefore. Anytime you see therefore in the Bible, find out what it's. Therefore, it's, it's. It's resulting from the words said before. Because you're not considering your ways, because God is not your priority, therefore, the heaven over you is what? Held back from due. Huh? In other words, you need rain for your crops to grow. And the earth is stayed from what? I'm done. I'm done. Right after this. It didn't say the heaven ain't raining and the, and the fruit ain't growing. Somebody said. It said the heaven is stayed. And the earth is stayed. I'm going to ask you an elementary question. Who in the world can stay the heaven and earth? Do you know anybody? Do you know a meteorologist on your favorite news station that can stop it from raining? And show me a farmer that can make fruit grow. I'll show you a meteorologist who can try to predict what happens. I can do that. And I can show you a farmer who can plant seed, but you ain't going to show me a human being who can make it rain or who can grow fruit. I'll tell you there's only one person who can stop it raining and stop fruit from growing, and that's God. And here's what God says through Haggai to his people in chapter number one. Because I'm not your priority, 
I'm stopping the clouds from raining and stopping your fruit from growing. And I would contend that there are people of God who are on prayer lists of churches and other Christians and who are packaging their persecution as a result of being a child of God and being faithful. And there are some people that say, pray for me, the devil's beating me up and the world is running me down and my boss ain't treating me right. And the demons are picking on me who may be enduring stayed heaven and stayed fruit. And it ain't the devil, your boss, or the demons is God. It's dangerous. It's dangerous when I kick God to the back burner and then wonder why I'm not blessed. God help us. So he says, consider. Give me the definition again one more time, please. Consider. Think about carefully. Especially with regard to taking action. Listen to me, church. Look at me. We need God. Look at me, look at me. I can't afford to tick God off. I can't afford it. Now, now, now we're bold, aren't we? Some people, we do stuff, we know it's going to get on our nerves, get on their nerves, and you know what we say? I knew it and I did it anyway. You can't do God that way. He's too important. I need rain, and I need fruit. And if I don't think carefully, I unintentionally do things in my life that are not to God's benefit. And then it doesn't rain, and the fruit doesn't grow, and I run to the same person I just ticked off. And I go, could you turn the water on? I'm in a bind again. Could you send me some fruit? Listen, stay right with the person you need. Let's do some thinking this week. Real thinking. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to think with your feet and to respond to an altar. And your response to the altar is to say, Lord, I'm committed to do some thinking this week. Because the reason why I'm not doing better could be because I'm not giving enough careful thought about it. And I don't want to go another day, another month, doing the same thing that I knew was wrong the last day and the last month simply because I didn't consider my way. Our Father, now we ask you to help us. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Pastor, I'm saved and I know it. I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it. I know I'm going to heaven. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. If you know it, would you put your hand up all over the building? I know I'm going to heaven. I have Bible reasons to prove it. God bless you. God bless you. Put your hands down. 
Now, let me ask you this. If you just raise your hand, Pastor, I'm going to heaven and I know it. However, based on the word of God, Pastor, I need to do some thinking about my ways. Especially in regard to taking action. All over the building, the people of God. Would you slip your hand up? God bless you. Just a moment, and just a moment, if you're physically able and willing, I'm going to ask you to come to the altar. You don't have to. You don't have to. But I'm just telling you that making a move when God has spoken to us is helpful. Okay? It's helpful. doesn't make you more of a Christian if you do or less if you don't. I'm just offering you the, off, the offer and the suggestion. Last question. Pastor, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I don't want to go to hell. Listen to me. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I do not want to go to hell. Please pray for me. Anybody like that? Thank you, sir. God bless you. We're not going to embarrass you. We love you here. We won't. I promise you. And there's another. God bless you. God bless you. God bless anyone else. I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'm sure I don't want to go to hell. Now, listen to me. If that's you, in just a moment, while others are coming to pray on this altar, I'm going to give you a chance to come and let, I'll take a, I'll take a man in our church, if you're a man, a lady in our church, if you're a lady, who will show you from the Bible how you can know you're going to heaven. Leave this building, know you're going to heaven. Know it. In just a moment, if you'll come, now, you'll have that opportunity. I'm going to give you that chance. Now, Lord, would you bless the invitation? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, remain in the spirit of prayer. Stand with you. If God spoke to your heart, why don't you leave your seat and come find a place on the altar and mind the Lord. There's somebody around you. Just say, excuse me. Do business with God. Do business with God. Yes, come on. Just kneel and pray. Do business with God. God bless you. And God bless you. Yes. Yes, bless you. And others that are coming. God bless you. And others all over the building that are kneeling where they are. Now, if you're here today and you're not sure you're going to heaven, would you come let us, let somebody show you, would you? Just step, just step out from wherever you are. Say, Pastor, I want to know that I'm going to heaven. Would you let somebody show me how I can know? Would you come? Don't be embarrassed. Just leave your seat. You start walking. I'll meet you halfway. And I'll get somebody to show you how you can know you're going to heaven. I mean, know that you're going to heaven. Wouldn't you like to know? Then why don't you come let somebody show you? Just just think of what it would be like to know you're going. like to come and we'll end service in just a little bit and when we're done you can come ask somebody about it we'd be glad to talk to you sure we would I commend every believer who's prayed in your seat or on the altar think think carefully would you especially in regard to take some action 
God, say, God, I, I, I not only need to do better, but God, I'm going to do better. And I'm going to go home today and I'm going to write the areas of my life that can be prioritized differently to make sure I do. We're going to talk about that in a couple weeks. Because church should, just, should not just be a diagnosis. It should also be a prescription. Now let's, let's get serious about this thing, this Christian life. Serious about it. Lord, help us. Help us, please, God. From me on down, those listening and watching it, Christianity is trending downward because there's a, there's a faultless level of Christianity that has become so popularized, it's condoned. Help us to take the reins of our own lives and to shift the trend. Please. For those still in the room who don't know Christ, help them to find out somebody who can help them. Please, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Here's what I want to challenge you.